Welcome to the Centre for Independent Studies podcast. What you're about to hear is an episode of Liberalism in Question. This series can be found linked in the description or by searching for Liberalism in Question in your favourite podcasting app. Enjoy the show. I'm Rob Forsyth. This is Liberalism in Question, a series where we explore liberalism, classical liberalism today. We look at its value, opportunities and challenges and its application to wide views of life. With me is uh, Nicholas Sampson, headmaster of Cranbrook School here in Sydney. He's also been headmaster at Marlborough College and Geelong Grammar in Melbourne. And before that, you were a tax inspector. Correct. Does it fit you well to be headmaster? I think it was a seamless transition. <laughs> Nick, one thing about your school, why I want to talk to you is <coughs> that Cranbrook School is one of the schools that I think explicitly uses the language of liberal education. So my question is, what is that? I think it's earning the right to freedom. Uh, that's what we seek to do with our young people uh, and each part of that equation is very, very important. Um, freedom can appear to be a universal right, uh, but I think society is built when freedom is justified by rigour, by research, by commitment and by a belief in the value of the pursuit of truth. Wow, there's a lot there. So, for, the, for there to be a free society, people don't just do their own thing. No, liberalism is not uh, license or, or self-indulgence. And I think that's where a lot of the pollution comes into the water. Um, you can easily say that liber liberalism is the cult of the individual, but it isn't. It carries a, a duopoly of purpose one is the realisation of the full glory of the individual, but that's within the context of society or of, of uh, peop uh, other people. Uh, uh, the one and the many have to be in balance. So a liberal education is one that trains people to live responsibly with freedom. Is that what I'm hearing you saying? Yeah, it trains people to move towards the right to bear freedom. I think so. I mean, um, uh, the training has to be very carefully handled and it must not be heavy-handed and it must not be cold. It's got to be warm and humane, but it's also got to be principled and rigorous. You mentioned rigor a number of times already. <laughs> um, what, what, what goes wrong with liberal, liberalism when there isn't that proper rigor and, and character development? Well, I think it, it, it can lapse into a number of forms. So one is uh, self-license, uh, which can just be a projection of selfishness which is not what liberalism is all about. Um, uh, another is uh, a sense of the lack of boundaries. And I think we, we all firmly require boundaries. So uh, I are know- these, Are these self-imposed boundaries or you mean boundaries from the society itself? I think they're um, boundaries by uh, consent, uh, but consent involves a debate and discussion amongst groups and, and peoples. Uh, so there has to be uh, some some form of consensus about these things. I'm not sure about imposition. I think I think the the great tragedy of our times is the loss of the canon of accepted beliefs and texts, and I think that gives us a very unfirm foundation upon which to build. A, a number of co podcasts in this series, uh, people have made the point that liberalism needs a kind of moral or, um, or even a slightly conservative base for it to work. It's not pure just individual and by itself, and I hear you saying a similar thing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I'd always be wary of being labelled a conservative, but 
uh, I think um, giving people uh, a sense of their duty to examine things closely and properly could be described as conservative. I think, however, it's also the key to opening the door to greater freedom. Well, let, let me leave the conservative out. That's, uh, that's say, a, a, a moral foundation. Mm. Uh, um, if it, have you always believed this about education? And if not, where do, when, well, first, have you always had this vision for education? And if so, where did it come from? Well, I, I think it came from my early, early career as a teacher. I mean, uh, Post-tax. Post-tax, <laughs> or tax pays for education in most cases. <laughs> yes. um, but uh, uh, I went myself to a highly selective government school um, where I think... Uh, in, 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 Australia. in England. In England. Uh, where um, deviation from the accepted uh, convention was underground rather than overt. You, know, you, you had to conform. It, this was a factory of conformity. Um, and that just bred a sense of sort of civilized rebellion. Um, and uh, uh, when I became a teacher, uh, the great joy of the job was, was seeing the capacity of young people to exceed expectation, as long as they're given the tools and the, the skills and the drive to test their ideas and directions properly. Um, and so it, 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 that became a sort of dawning realization of, of, of the value of education. After all, education means leading people out. You've got to know what you're leading them towards if you're going to lead them. Any, any books or authors that inspired you at this point? Or oh, well, yeah, um, uh, Dickens. I, mean, I, I think Hard Times says almost all you need to know about education. Um, uh, it contrasts measurement mania with a sort of technicolor liberal, liberalism about about romanticism and things. Glenn Fay, our, our education department here, he had CIS to get onto hard times. Well, yes, yeah. I mean, one of his characters is a school inspector called Mr. Machokum Child, oh. and uh, you know it's uh, it's all good, clean fun. So things like that in literature, you found in the, in that literature mm -hmm. a vision for a form of education that wasn't just conformist, which leads to rebellion, yeah. but did something else. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, I began working in an independent school where there weren't the constraints uh, of the system that I'd been used to. And I just discovered that, that the school was just a complete uh, composite of conversations. Um, so uh, teacher and taught were talking, taught and taught were talking. Uh, and you were te teaching within lesson times and beyond it, um, or beyond them. So the whole thing became uh, a really enjoyable, uh, virtuous circle. Um, it wasn't chopped into little bits, it was holistic, and uh, that was very exciting. You mentioned um, a liberal education is one which enables people to be free and free. But you mentioned various qualities that people need to have or taught. Can we go unpack that a little more, more fully? Uh, you've, one you mentioned is the issue of truth. Could you talk about what, how is truth related to freedom? Well, I think we're seeing in the United States what happens when truth is not related to freedom, when uh, a society can move away from the convention that the pursuit of truth is the highest human ideal. Um, uh, and we're seeing relativism move into um, every area of life so that 
you know, blatant immorality or amorality is perfectly permissible if it's if it's self-expression. That that is poisonous, and that's entirely antithetical to all of the principles underpinning a great schooling or a great education. In fact, some people have called the modern Western society, both here in America, expressive individualism. Yeah. Would you agree? That's what, that's what it's out there. Yeah, I think that's right. And the, the license to express yourself is universal. Uh, and the, the loss there is the loss of preparation. Uh, it's as if an orchestra just walks onto the stage and plays whatever it wants individually. And all you get is a discordance. Uh, an orchestra is a team. That, that acquires the disciplines of, of individual and communal preparation before presenting a work. So it's you believe different. that a belief in, a, in truth as, a th as an objective tr reality is crucial for a liberal, liberal society and a liberal, uh, a free life? Well, yeah, the truth may be relative. It, it may be a goal that you'll never attain. I know, I know but the, the concept yeah. of... The I concept guess, of yes, driving yes. towards truth has to be at the heart of every child's life. What else? What else? I think a belief in the joy of exploration is good. Um, a confidence, uh, a courage then? Yes, yes. I mean, somebody once said to me, there are only a few words you need to know to be a great teacher, and there are four words, and they are, tell me about it. And it's very interesting that, because um, uh, that, te that gives the young person the opportunity to present, but in a testing environment. So when a young person puts something, an idea, an experience, a picture, uh, an impression into his or her own words, that's, that's a process of creation. But the testing it against a sympathetic audience is a process of great education also. The testing's important. The testing's really important. Conversation is at the heart of all education. It always has been from the formation of schools in cathedrals in the early years of the first millennium. I mean, the, the testing of ideas with a, with a teacher, with a pedagogue, was always absolutely key. So search for truth, um, joy of discovery, joy of searching. Yes. Anything else you want to add to the list? Well, I hope to a, sort of a, a, an adoption of the basic sense of common morality. Um, you know, um, it, it's more difficult these days to, to preach that and to ask for it, um, but uh, respect for, for the integrity of differences, uh, a respect for other people, all of these things can be conditioned by um, uh, a search for, for justified and proper connection. Recent educational discovery seems to be, certainly we're here, we're at the CIS have been exploring this as well, that direct instruction turns out to be more valuable than child-centred learning. Do you understand, uh, what's that, how does that relate to ed liberal education? I'm thinking of teaching how to read, I'm teaching how to, how to do maths, where the, where the implication is not just tell me about it, but let me tell you about it. Uh, there's a bit of that. Look, it has to be a balance of the two. And, and in, in your earlier years, when you're forming a foundation upon which to build your own research skills, your own uh, uh, likes and dislikes, uh, then some direct instruction is invaluable, as long as it's given in a warm, liberal way. I read recently, um, here in Sydney, in the Sydney Morning Herald and others, a complaint by an academic about the narcissism that she's finding in her students mm. and, and expressed in very bad behaviour, expressed in um, demanding, rejecting the assessments, demanding special treatments, and often the parents too turning up. 
And just the other day I saw a tweet from this academic saying, telling parents not to go with their children to university open days. Let the children decide. Now, something's going on there. Sorry, sorry. the academic thought something is going on. There is something going on there which, which under your understanding would be a significant threat to liberalism. Yes, I think that's right. I mean, I think um, I, I trace a lot of it to the, uh, the, the use of the mobile phone and, and instant communication of that sort. Um, I think uh, Michael Oakeshott describes schools as being, uh, as needing to be separated from society, uh, almost being semi-monastic, um, a place where you could work through ideas without worldly intervention. I don't think that's quite right, nor is it applicable to our times. But instead, at the moment, we have, I think, an openness to external, including parental influences, which rob young people of the need to solve their own problems and to make their own way. And uh, that is, I think, deeply infantilizing. And I think we are seeing some aspects of that at the moment. Um, and uh, it, it's for a whole raft of reasons. You could argue that COVID has accelerated or, or exacerbated this trend. You could argue that because in my world, people pay a lot of money for education, it is tempting to see it as transactional rather than, rather than philosophical. Um, that is, I'm paying you the money, give me the goods, uh, rather than we're in a partnership to bring about this child to become a free functioning adult. Correct, and, and also uh, an acceptance of professionalism, uh, uh, and an acceptance of the fact that the school has a duty not only just to the one, but also to the many. Those contexts are often lost. People go into battle for their children, which in some ways I suppose is admirable, but young people need to take responsibility early to analyze their own actions, to negotiate their own way. And if they don't do that uh, at school, um, they're not very well fitted for university. And if they're not fitted for university, well, they'll struggle beyond it. Well, look, this academic says the same problems at the university itself. People yeah. Are, right. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so uh, I understand parents want to make life for their children happy and successful, but they've also got to understand that a little, a little bit of growth has to be engineered from within. When I was young, I remember my parents would take the school side of things. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, now it's the other way around. Yes, and the authority, in, in when I was at school, the authority of the school was accepted. Yeah. Um, but uh, now I think um, we live in the age of the commentator. Uh, everybody has a right to comment on everything. Uh, and uh, uh, teaching has always been the default profession, uh, which people have, have not valued sufficiently. And we're seeing that come home. Is that true everywhere? Not just in Australia. Yes, I think so. It, it, it's true in most jurisdictions I know. It may well not be true in some, but uh, certainly the Anglo-Saxon world, I think it is true. How important then is the teacher, in a sense, in, a, in producing a future liberal society then? Nothing is more important than the quality of the teacher uh, and the generosity of spirit of the teacher. Uh, I think uh, when we, we talk about the intervention and, and the excitement of technology coming into education, absolutely right. It, that is liberating in so many ways. Uh, you, we talk about being well resourced, we talk about having wonderful programs, but nothing, nothing, nothing is more important than the character, quality and example of the teacher. And I'm thinking therefore you're saying in effect the teacher's at the front line of the preservation of liberalism. 
they, uh, yes, and of so much else. Yeah, the, the teachers are on that front line, and it's a front line um, that has has changed duties. Um, so, with the erosion of authority, comes a demand for a different skill set, um, which is, uh, in some ways, well, what, what, what do you mean? Well, I mean that you're 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 not an autocrat in the classroom anymore. Uh, time was, you were king or queen of your classroom and nobody would intervene. And that, I think, had its dangers uh, as well as its values. Now I think there's much more accountability, there's much more interconnectedness. Now, in balance, these things are, are, are really important and very powerful, but they can easily erode and they can be taken too far and they can lead to a breakdown of conversation. We use the word a moral basis for education as well as just learning stuff. Mm. Um, is there, in our liberal society today, where it seems to me there's both a lot of morality of one kind and not of another, I'll explain what I mean. We seem to be in a very moral world, world where um, small indiscretions can be very quickly critiqued on social media. Concern about racism or sexism, homophobia, I don't, I don't, don't belittle them. I'm just there's a very high, a very, very, um, very tense bar on this. Other things seem to go by. Do you think there's something skew at the moment with with our society's morality? I think there's some there's something askew with uh, with our analysis of problems and 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 uh, with uh, our projection of our values onto previous times and 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 other people. Uh, I think that. You, you're absolutely right. There's 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 a, a very um, a, a very quick uh, tendency to condemn uh, indiscretions. Yes, yes, that's uh, what I'm thinking about. Yeah, absolutely. But quite often that's without any due process. So an instant judgment is entirely permissible. Uh, whereas I think a liberal tradition would demand close analysis of the of the alleged offence and would put it into the context of not only justice, but fairness. But I think we, we, we've mi we're missing out many of, those, um, many of those processes, and we end up with an accusation being guilt. Uh, and that's tricky and difficult, uh, because although the aims of those who make the accusation may well be laudable, what you demolish in that process is the mechanism that builds society and fairness. In fact, I think it can be argued that the coming of liberals in Western society depends upon not just removing some of the barriers to freedom, but also a genuine se searching for truth and proper finding ways to find truth. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I think one of the, one of the sadnesses of, of, of the past 10 or 20 years is that having been moving on what I thought was a continuum towards betterment and betterness, um, some of some modern trends are sort of taking us back to a uh, a more questionable view of, of of human potential. Have an example of what what you got in mind? Well, look, uh, the examples keep coming from the United States, but um, there you've got uh, uh, somebody who can uh, articulate amoral irresponsibility being elevated to be a candidate for the most responsible job in the world, and I think that it, that's a, I mean, obviously. 
That's one example, and it's a technicolor one. But you, you watch the ripple effects through the Republican Party, through polity, through conversation, through the range and register of, of language used by public figures, and the whole thing deflates. It's also, would you not agree with me, a return to actually a form of tribalism. I do. Which uh, I think is inimical to a society, a liberal society has to manage difference. That's one of the managed different, deep differences, in fact, to point of view. Um, and tribalism uh, is inimical to that because it puts truth second to my team. Absolutely right. And, and it's blind. Tribalism is blind. So I, I think that's a very good way of putting it, Robert. Um, we, we have now got tribes. Um, there's always been an element of tribalism yes. in politics, but I think it used to be a, a civil tribalism. Well, it's tribalism not just in politics, but in society, I believe. Correct. And a very complex uh, set, of, set of causations there, including, I think, the, the emerg emergence of what, what is called the liberal elite, which is an interesting thing. Well, in the US, the word liberal has a slightly different meaning. It, it explores in other things. It, it, it would, for various reasons, it often means what we would mean in Australia, excuse me, by progressive. Yes. Let me put this to you. One of the, Francis Fukuyama makes this point in his liberalism dis discontents. We're defending liberalism. He says, it came, one of the reasons it came about was to deal with conflict. And that's why liberalism does not answer the big questions of life. It doesn't say whether, whether God is or is not, what the chief end of man, these questions are not answered, surprisingly. It's a society in which those things are allowed to be done by individuals and institutions, relationship. Which means, strangely, liberalism is not quite that exciting to the barricades because it doesn't have a unified vision of the big questions. Do you, do you agree with him? Is that, is that and if it is, I want to ask you a question about how that works in a school. Um, that's a very good question. I, th I think I do believe, I do, I do agree with you. Um, yeah, liberalism does not imprint its attitudes upon you as a member of a tribe or a member of a sect. or It, it doesn't give you clear answers because it leaves so much to you. It deliberately doesn't. Correct. That is, it's, it's a way of handling. It arose in Europe after the um, stresses of the Reformation and then the wars that followed. Yes. And there's almost exhaustion and I find a way to find a way to live together without what was going on. Yes, I think that's right. I think that's but right. But it does mean it's no longer quite as exciting. It's yes, uh, I, I, th I think that's true. Um, the excitement is reserved for those who hold the absolute truth and they tend to be extreme. Although talking to you, you do seem to be excited about liberalism. I see a passion for it. <laughs> <laughs> I am excited about it. I, I, I think uh, you have, Whatever has gone on in public discourse recently, whatever's gone on in the Ukraine, whatever's gone on in the economy, whatever's going on with the climate, you have to be positive and optimistic about the future because um, the human race is an extraordinarily talented animal uh, and finds answers um, in the most uh, creative way. And it's our job to fuel that optimism. So optimism is a requirement for liberalism? Uh, I, I hope so. I mean, if you. Uh, <laughs> That's a typical optimist answer. You yeah, hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I would say yes, Robert. I would say yes. Uh, but I wouldn't impose that on others. To a fault. To a fault. Um, may I ask you about a school? Your school is a school which has a religious foundation, mm -hmm. but it's in a very multi faith or no faith. That's probably overstating it. Part of Sydney. Those who don't know your school, it's in um, the eastern suburbs of Sydney, one of, one of the wealthiest parts. How do you handle both at one level trying to produce a unified understanding of what it is to be a free human, at the same time negotiate 
differences in those other questions. In other words, how did liberalism work in a school with a, with, with a, with a, with a to angling, as it turns out, foundation? Well, we keep coming back to, the, to Louis McNeese's phrase, the integrity of differences. I really like that phrase. Um, uh, because tell, me, tell me about it. Well, McNeese, uh, I think, is, is a great and underread poet. Uh, I've not heard of him, that's what I'm going to ask. Well, uh, proof. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that <laughs> you've got that delight ahead of you. <laughs> Uh, but McNeese is a very musical writer, uh, but he also sees things with a clarity, freshness and colour that, that is very rare. Right, and he talks about the integrity of difference. He talks about the integrity of differences, and I like that our school motto is based upon integrity, esse quam videre, to, to be rather than to seem to be, which we interpret as integrity. But I take integrity as being not only truth uh, and the elimination of the gap between mask and face, uh, but also as an integer, the wholeness of the human condition, a mathematical term. And that means equal valuation for the arts and sport, for, for politics and for literature, um, for music uh, and for drama, and uh, the capacity to look at the whole spectrum of human aspiration and value what you find. Um, I think uh, George Fox, talking about your time, uh, your reference to the end of the Reformation and so on, George Fox, founder of the Society of Friends of the Quakers, asked his followers to walk cheerfully throughout this world, seeking that of God in every man. Um, now we, trans we, we add in every person now. Uh, but, but I think that injunction um, is, a, is still a very powerful one. It asks you to do the walking, it asks you to do the seech, searching, but it, uh, it asks you to do the valuing, but it implies that there is the divine spark in everybody if you, if you look hard enough and if you work hard enough to find it. When you, when you described a moment ago the range of education that you think should be offered, often that's what liberal education means, not just on the basics to get a job, mm. but somehow to make you a better person. Is that, yes. is that still the vision? It is, absolutely, absolutely, and it's based upon connection. And again, we, in, in going back to sort of key phrases that build an understanding, uh, Forster's only connect is, a, is, a, is an often misunderstood phrase. But it does mean that, that these days our real duty as individuals is to connect with others. Otherwise, we surrender entirely to consumerism and self-centeredness. Often, I think more, more recently, it's the role of government's been emphasised more and more just to be a solver of problems, and that, that it, it, uh, it has a role, a significant role in society. Um, what do you say about the role of government, particularly in, in education? I don't, mean it, I don't mean government schools, I'll come back come to those in just a moment, but government as a regulator, government as an organiser, government as a solver of problems. Well, I, th I think the, the issue of government in education has not ever really been properly explored, or certainly I'm not aware of it having been properly explored or resolved because education is such a confusion of purposes. Well, let's say, let's say not education, but schooling is such a confusion of purposes. Schools are agencies through which you pursue education, but they're also child-minding agencies. They're also economic powerhouses. They're also social regulators. They're given an increasing basket of responsibilities to handle. Um, and, uh, and they're staffed in a way that, that, that the other professions can't staff themselves. So the number of teachers is the largest number of professional people in the country as a percentage. I didn't uh, know that. I thought, I thought it was lawyers. <laughs> it appears that way <laughs> all very often. It may be, may be the catching up. Um, but uh, 
you know, what we've not had is, is a joined up uh, consideration of, of what is possible. And instead, and you'll come on to this, I know, because you said you will, instead we have a, a, a fragmented system of schools in this country um, where one sector is quite often played off against another. And what we don't have is a collective view of how we can better serve young people for the future in this country. Well, let me go there. Uh, you, you, you have the privilege of serving in what is a school for those who've got considerable amount of resources. It's a very, I'm, I won't use the elite, I don't think that's the right word for your school. In fact, I don't think you want to be elite. No. <laughs> but no. you're certainly, um, it's ex expensive education, not available to most people in, in Sydney or elsewhere. Do you have to be rich to have liberal education? No, you don't. No, you don't. Um, and many people aren't. Um, and uh, what you really need is a great teacher and, and a book, and you can do it. Um, of course, there are various economic advantages that make it much more uh, easily attainable. And it, we are privileged where we are. We're well resourced and we're beautifully situated. And we, we're most privileged, however, in the capacity to, to attract, retain great teachers who, who are all committed to the task. Um, now, the question is uh, how, you, how you connect what we do to what others do uh, and how we can lift aspirations for everybody together, not as a, not as a, a piece of paternalistic uh, uh, nonsense, but as a, as a collection of educators throughout the country. Um, and you're talking here about um, the state system and, the, and p the private system working much more closely together in some way. Yeah, or, yes, I think so. Breaking down some of the barriers that seem to exist between us. Um, uh, and you, you, you've got the Catholic sector, you have the independent sector, you have the government sector, all serving young people in this country. Uh, and I wouldn't dream of speaking for my colleagues in the other sectors. I don't have enough knowledge of, of what they do. But I do know we have a shared purpose. And I do know we have a shared vocation. Um, and what would be wonderful would be to, to see how we could move beyond the stereotypical presentation of education that we see all too often in, in the media towards a consideration of how we can best put our heads together to share good practice. You, you, you have vision for liberal education. Are there, other vi are there other visions out there you, regard, uh, you, can, you can see which are opposed to your vision? Um, I'm sure, I, look, uh, I know very little about, about um, heavily religiously dominated education. But yes, they're, they're in, they're, I call them, they're religiously intense schools, uh, often both Christian and non-Christian, I think they're on one point, yes, that's true. Any, any others? Well, clearly, modern, some models overseas you, you would worry very much about. But again, I don't know about them firsthand. So, ba so basically, you think that the only real, the only real data at the target really is liberal education. I think so. I mean, that, that's my view. You, you you can say that you you could have a different form of education whereby you gave everybody the same building blocks to begin with and then move towards a more liberal view. I don't know. Um, uh, but liberal education seems to me to be one of the glories of our civilization. What are the main obstacles to liberal education then? Let me put my question that way. Um, uh, assessment. I think we've, we've made a god of assessment in, in education. Uh, measurement mania can, can obliterate uh, 
some of the softer, more liberal, more humane elements of, of formation that, that are just as important. And because we want to measure everything, um, that means that schools will teach to the test, that schools will reduce their delivery to uh, what, it, what can be regurgitated in an examination form. Uh, because society needs the reassurance of measuring institutions by results. There's a place for accountability, though, isn't there? Oh, oh like everything. Because it's the about recent lab test suddenly realised, my goodness me, we're pouring more money in and we're getting less, less for it. That's a serious issue. Yeah, it should be a serious issue. Uh, it should most of all be a serious issue because we may be letting young people down. Absolutely. Um, not the economics or the politics of it, but the people of it. Um, uh, that, that's a refreshing perspective. Well, <laughs> it's, it's what we're all about. It's what we're all about. Um, but uh, uh, other, I mean, another issue that really does concern me is how we talk to universities about, about what comes next for young people. Many of our youngsters go on to university. I don't, I mean, you hear some very good stories coming back from the universities. You hear some worrying ones. So um, uh, schools need to be accountable. Measurement is one form of doing that. I think universities also need to be accountable in terms of the experience and the support for personal growth uh, that they offer young people in their care. You have a suspicion it's not all is not well? I have a suspicion it's very uneven. I have a suspicion that the university sector has grown in, in recent decades out of all proportion to its previous existence and that it's become a mass service and, uh, and I think in a way technology has not helped there because it's made university learning omnipresent and not disciplined or humane. I had a very strange comment on this just the other day when someone said if we've all got degrees, degrees aren't worth anything, implying that the only value of a degree was to be better than somebody else. <laughs> in fact, there is a role, uh, in Australia, you may not know this, there was a time when we had to, to a number of things called a college of advanced education, as well as university, and they were brought into each other. Everyone became a university. Yes. And there's just been discovery about the role of what's called vocational learning. Yes. Do you have boys at your school, uh, boys at the moment, you are going COVID in the future, for whom the future is vocational development. We certainly do, and, and we value that strand very much. Now that's uh, different from, from is that, is, can you have a liberal vocational training? I think you certainly can. I think it's based upon exactly the same principles. So rather necessarily than, than the pursuit of theory or, or literary knowledge, you're pursuing technical knowledge uh, and craftsmanship in exactly the same way, according to the same principles. Ah, so you know, that's helpful. So you can be a liberal both in learning to be a plumber Yes. As well as lit, studying, lit, studying uh, Shakespeare. William Morris. Well, William Morris is the one. Mm. There's a lot of interest in, in STEM for all kinds of good reasons. Um, what, what do you say about that? And is it a threat to liberal, liberal education? No, I think it's a, it, it's a very valid expression of, um, uh, of the growth of human knowledge in a specific area. And I think uh, society is very sensible to pursue paths for young people into that area where so much beautiful work is going on. You've said you're an optimist. Hmm. Um, I would ask what you think about the future of liberal society and liberal education is. Do you, do you, uh, are you confident of the future or are, are you aware there are threats to the future? 
I've said I'm confident and optimist, so I better be that. But I am worried by some things. I'm worried by, about the economics of, of education. Uh, I'm worried about... Slowly, with what in particular? Well, uh, the, the rising cost of educating children, whether in the government or independent sectors, the rising cost, the rising burden upon families of, of, of people who make the choice to use the independent sector. The fees are very, very high, uh, and I think uh, uh, we should be wary of that fact. Well, Australia depends upon the independent sector in a way that no other Western country does. Um, and there is government subsidy in a way that is rare. So we've already got a sort of slightly mixed soup here. Um, uh, but when fees are above $40,000 a year, uh, you know you're economically highly selective. And that's got to be a danger for everybody. Why not just for the rich schools? Uh, Sorry, the expensive schools. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, because um, you, you want equality of opportunity. And because the only way of justifying an expensive school is if you're so, if you're so successful that you make yourself a compelling choice. Uh, and that means um, that you're, you've, you've got implicit conflict from the very beginning. Uh, in all that you do and say. You were talking about things that were worrying you. One was the economic. Can you remember what the other one was? Um, uh, well, the whole direction of civic life, I think. Um, time was, perhaps this is rose-tinted glasses stuff, when people of high caliber would choose to go into public life. I think it's a very hard choice for them now. Uh, and I think unless we have these public figures of aspiration and of exemplary behavior, then it's very, very difficult for young people By to By public steer. life, you mean? Well, politics, business, sport, anywhere you look. Again, along with the age of the commentator, we've got the age of the instant celebrity, um, where exposure is, is equated to fame, and where exposure usually leads to the final exposure, which is the crumpling of the image. Um, it's and a you very think negative... That, and you think there are less and less young people Thinking of a life of public service, put it in the broader sense. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. Selfishness. Well, and also an unwillingness to put themselves through the rigor of, 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 of analysis. I mean, selfishness. Okay, it's more uh, than just selfishness. Laziness uh, as well. I, I think. Uh, well, maybe. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to. But maybe. But but I, th I think it is not an attractive option in personal terms. The pursuit of power has always attracted str a strange mixture of people. Yes, of course. Uh, some of them brilliant, some of them less so. Uh, but but I hope that this generation, which has got a huge menu of problems to solve. Which uh, we've left them. Which we have given <laughs> them. Which we have happily given them. Um, will be able to engender a sense of public service. Now you've been, you've been in education for a while. Mm -hmm. Still learning. Of course you are. Um, have you seen the change in the kind of people that we're producing? Coming yes, in? yes and, I have. and good or bad, up and uh, down. A mixture. I think there's much more overt confidence. I think technology has fed that. I think the media have fed that. I think people, young people, stand up and speak in front of an audience brilliantly. I think sometimes there's an inner doubt uh, that, that seems more present now than it used to be. And people talk about a fragility, about 
uh, a lack of resilience. I think there's a self-questioning. I think there's a there's a there's a space for anxiety that has grown, uh, and so I think there's a gap between that superficial confidence and that inner maturity that that gives you confidence, and that's a big problem to solve. Do you think, as we draw our conversation to a close, you've said, as I understand it, that a liberal education is not merely a desirable thing, but an essential thing for a society like ours to continue? I think it is. And I think if you look at the track record of liberalism, okay, there have been failures. But I think the, the steady eradication of rates of inequality, of, of abominations uh, in, hum in human suffering, all of those things have been guided by the liberal light. Uh, and if we abandon the liberal light and we haven't got an alternative, uh, alternative source of light, we're in real trouble. And do you think this younger, the, the younger generations you're seeing have that? As, have that? Are they pro in the, in the broader sense? I don't mean politically, of course. I think they are when they're engaged, absolutely. Um, uh, and I think they, they've got to be introduced to this. This is our job as a, as a, as a generation. Um, Oakeshott said, Michael Oakeshott said, the duty of a school is to transmit the accumulated wisdom of previous generations to a new generation. That's our job. So if these young people aren't acquiring that sense of liberal commitment, it's our fault. Thank you, Nick. I'm speaking with Nick Sampson, headmaster at Cranbrook School here in Sydney, but also both in the United Kingdom and in Victoria, also being headmaster. Thank you for being part of this Liberals in Question podcast for the Centre of Independent Studies. If you enjoy this content, please consider joining us by becoming a member of CIS. You'll be part of Australia's growing movement towards free markets, individual liberty, cultural freedom and a limited government. Join today at cis.org.au slash membership.